before we start, let's just pray. Father, give us faith to trust you. We know you are God, you are good. You are all-knowing. You love us, you care about us, you guide us. Help us to trust you. Help us to have our faith fully in you. Lord, speak to us today. Be glorified, be honored. We pray in the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been studying some of my favorite moments from the life of Jesus. We've looked at meaningful conversations that Jesus has had with people who society would deem insignificant, but people who Jesus valued. And not only were they people who Jesus valued, they were people to whom and through whom Jesus taught amazing eternal truth. The first week we learned about how Jesus taught, how Jesus treated the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, how Jesus deals with our sin. Last week we looked at Jesus and Peter as they walked on water, as Peter followed Jesus and stepped out of the boat. Well, today in our final sermon, we're gonna listen in on a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples as they were walking along a road, a dusty path about 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. We find it in the Gospel of Mark, chapter eight, verse 27 through 30. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you're the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, for your amazing, perfect word. We thank you for the fact that you are speaking to us, Lord, that you do not leave us on our own, that you have given us scripture, that you have given us your word to us, that we would know you, that we would know how we are saved by you, that we know how we are loved by you. Lord, your, your word is not only history, your word is life. Lord, speak to us. We know that you speak to us every day. Lord, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, that we would hear what you would say to us. Lord, as we study your word today, as we open it up, as we hear from you, Lord, as I speak today, Lord, may it be your words and not mine. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and honoring and glorifying and life-giving. But may it be all about you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of my favorite things about Jesus as you read about him, as you hear about how he lived, as you hear about how he interacted with people, is the fact that he was the master of asking great questions, just the question that needed to come. Sometimes he would ask those questions when other people were grilling him, when other people were trying to trap him in his words. Jesus would turn it and he would ask them just the right question. 
Other times, Jesus would have conversations with people who were genuinely seeking truth, and Jesus would ask them just the right question that would get just down to the heart of what was going on. Sometimes, strong, clear statements of truth are are what are needed in a moment. But if you really want to get someone thinking deeply, if you want to get someone below the surface, if you want someone to get, get them thinking critically and actually bring real growth in them, there's little that is more helpful than a perfectly worded, a, a thought-provoking question. So Jesus asked his disciples that day as they're walking along, he asked them two questions. The first question that he asked them was he said, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? Who do they think I am? Well, the answers they gave, one was, well, some people think that you're John the Baptist, that you've, that you've come back from the dead. Some people think that you are Elijah, the ancient prophet, and some think that you are a new prophet. Well, there are other common beliefs about Jesus that different people thought. Some people thought, well, he is this great teacher. Some people thought that he is this great miracle worker. They saw him provide food for thousands and thousands of people. They saw him heal people. Some people thought that he was kind, and compassionate. Some people thought that he was a revolutionary. Many people weren't sure exactly what to do with Jesus, but they found him very intriguing. Now the Pharisees, the Sadducees, people in the Sanhedrin, other religious leaders, they had some different thoughts about Jesus. Most of them thought that he was a threat. They thought that he was a liar. They thought that he was a false messiah. They thought, worst of all, that he was a blasphemer, that he was someone who was lying about God. Some of the Pharisees, though, thought that Jesus was interesting. Some of them weren't sure what to do with him. Some came and they listened to him. Some came and they sought him out. But the question remains, who do people think that he is? Well, that question, now 2,000 years later, is still a very important question that is lingering with many different answers that people come up with. But the truth is most people, whether they go to church or not, whether they read the Bible or not, people think that Jesus is great. He was a wise teacher, he was a miracle worker. He was kind, he was compassionate, he was peaceful. Jesus was someone who fought for the poor. Jesus was someone who stood up to bullies. Maybe he was a prophet. Maybe he was the son of God, people seem to think that. But truthfully, most people, I would say, don't think a whole lot about who Jesus was or who Jesus is. They don't think about his divinity, but they love him. So the disciples and Jesus are walking along that road, and as they're walking, as they're talking, Jesus hits them with a big question. But what about you? Who do you say I am? He says, you've been with me the last couple years. You've seen me heal people. You've heard me teach. We've shared many meals together. So what say you? Who do you say I am? Well, it would seem even among the 12 disciples who had spent all of this time with Jesus and the other people walking with them, there were a variety of of opinions. I think all of them, even Judas, all of them would probably call Jesus a great rabbi. He was not only a teacher, he was their teacher, the one who they followed. He was clearly a man of God, probably a prophet sent from God. Maybe he's the Messiah, hopefully he's the Messiah. We'll find that out maybe once we get to Jerusalem and see what he does when we get there. Well, just as Jesus did with the disciples, there comes a point in all of our lives when Jesus asks us that same question. 
Who do you say that I am? It's the most important question that we will ever answer. Now, for me, it's always been an easy question to answer. I was raised in the church. I was raised knowing Jesus Christ. I was raised to worship Jesus Christ, and I was taught the truth of Scripture. I was taught, and I have believed and still believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is divine, 100%. Jesus is the incarnation, to use a big church word. He is the incarnation. He is God in human flesh. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And for me, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Well, there's a common idea that I would say has probably been growing for the past 15, 20 years that all religions are essentially the same. You know, there's a God, and you can call God by whatever name you choose, whether it's Jesus or Yahweh or Allah or Brahma, whatever you choose. This God loves us, this God has a plan for us, and this God wants us to be kind and caring to one another. Well, the more that I've studied this idea, the more that I've looked at other religions, I do find that, yes, there are some commonalities that that go across most, most faith traditions. However, in addition to the many substantial doctrinal differences between them, There is one foundational teaching, one foundational doctrine, one foundational idea that separates Christianity from all others. And it's not just the belief in Jesus or the belief that Jesus was great. It is the identity of Jesus. It goes back to that question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Well, the most obvious um, example of this kind of the difference between Christianity and other faiths, is actually Islam. See, it's not just that Christians like Jesus and, and, and Muslims like Muhammad. The identity of Jesus is absolutely, fundamentally different. Years ago, I took a class on Islam in seminary, and I learned a bit more about it, and learned that Muslims respect and honor Jesus Greatly, they believe that he was one of the greatest prophets that God ever sent. But they believe absolutely he was not the son of God, absolutely he was not resurrected, and he is definitely not divine. Now my assumption for a long time was that this came because, well, Muslims read the Quran and they just reject the Bible, that the Bible is, is wrong and useless. But that was until I read a book called Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi, a book that I highly recommend. Uh, Nabil was a devout Muslim who became a Christian. As he studied more about Islam, as he studied more about the Bible, he became a follower of Jesus. And I learned in that book that Muslims actually believe that the Bible is a good book, that it is a book about God. They specifically like the teachings of Jesus. They like the teachings of Jesus out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the Gospel of John is corrupted, and the letters of Paul and Peter and John and others are filled with lies and fabrications. Their belief is that the teachings about Jesus being divine, about about Jesus being God incarnate, were made up by followers later, that they are fabrications. Their core belief is that Jesus never claimed to be divine. Now, when I learned this, this was a bit shocking to me. Now, not shocking in terms of like, this makes me question the, the, the basis of my faith, because I truly, absolutely believe that the Bible is the inspired, infallible, authoritative, beautiful word of God, all of the Bible, 
Old Testament, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the letters, everything. It is all the word of God, and it tells us the truth about who Jesus is. But it did make me take a closer look at scripture and say, well, have I just been assuming things? Have I been basing it saying, well, of course Jesus said he was God. Well, wait, did he? I'm sure he did. Where did he say it? Well, I'll, I'll have to think about it, but... So it made me research, and that's an important thing for us to do. It is always an important thing when we are challenged in our faith to take a closer look at Scripture. So that is what I had to do. I had to say, well, is the basis of my faith, is the basis of my belief just something I've assumed about Jesus? Is it just something I've heard about Jesus? Or is it the actual word of God and even the words of Jesus in the word of God? So first I wanted to look and say, okay, what about the Gospel of John? What about the letters of, of Paul and Peter and the others? What do they say about Jesus? Do they really claim the divinity and the sinless life of Christ? So I took a look. And I'll share with you just a couple examples. One, one of the most obvious ones, is John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on in John chapter 5, verse 18, verse 18, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him, to kill Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, and then listen, making himself equal with God. And then finally in Colossians, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus is fully God. Now there are many other passages, but those are just a few. Now, people can say, well, yeah, but that's, that's the letters of, of, of Paul, and that's, and that's John, and that's corrupt, which it isn't, but if we want to have that conversation, I looked a little bit further, and I said, what about Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Did Jesus really claim to be divine? Well, there's a few things to keep in mind here. One is the fact that on a handful of occasions, people directly worshiped Jesus, not just they gave him homage, and they respected him, and they honored him, and they bowed a knee, and they called him Lord, not even just that but they directly worshiped Jesus and called him the Son of God. Matthew 18, after Jesus walked on water, they got back into the boat and the disciples worshiped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Matthew 28, after the resurrection, before the ascension, before Jesus' return, the disciples worshiped Jesus. Now, if Jesus truly is only a prophet of God and his disciples are actively worshiping him and saying these things about him, he would have stopped them if they were not true. But he didn't. There are many times throughout Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus calls himself the Son of God, not a Son of God, not just a child of God, but calls himself the Son of God. And then this call, this this title is actually affirmed at his baptism, at his transfiguration. Luke chapter 3 for his baptism, Mark chapter 9 for his transfiguration. God calls out and in front of other people says, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then at his trial, Mark chapter 14, again, Jesus calls himself the Son of God. He says, you will see me seated at the right hand of God, which is the position of power, the very right hand of God. You will see me coming with power on the clouds. And he is directly asked, okay, say it. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And he says, I am. And that was enough. They tore their clothes. This man is a blasphemer. He must die. So the Bible tells us clearly many different times, many different ways that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and he is divine. 
So the question for me is, if Jesus says, who do you say that I am, and the source of my knowledge of who I say Jesus is, is the word of God, I say firmly that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are God. You are divine. But the question is, do I truly grasp what that means? Do I really get the implications of that? Because I doubt that the, that the disciples and Paul, uh, Peter understood the depth of Jesus' question that day. But we know that years later, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he got it. He understood what the implications are. He understood how important that question was and is. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That question is vital. Now, there were a handful of times in his life as a follower of Jesus that Peter gave these glimmers of depth, these glimmers of understanding of who Jesus truly is. And times when he seemed to understand what it means, what it costs to be a disciple. But I think that day on the road, in spite of the fact that he had just proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah, I don't think he really understood what he was saying. Part of that is because it's Peter, and Peter tends to kind of blurt things out. But when you look at what happens next, there's more evidence of it. The very next verse is right after Peter says, you're the Messiah, and Jesus says, okay, guys, keep, your, keep quiet about this for now. The very next verse is in Mark 8, 31 through 34. It says, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. So that's one of the interesting things. When you read the stories and, you, and, and the disciples are shocked that Jesus is killed, and the disciples are completely floored by the fact that Jesus was going to be arrested and died, he spoke plainly about it to them, but it just kind of went over their heads. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But, when Je- but then Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He's essentially saying, Peter, it is great that you believe that I am the Messiah. But you need to hear this. You need to understand this. I'm gonna suffer and I'm going to die. I'm gonna come back, but it's going to be hard. Well, Peter cannot accept this. Even though he says, Jesus, I wanna follow you. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. He can't accept it and he actually rebukes Jesus. Well, Jesus responds strongly, even harshly to Peter. You know, the the Jesus who we love, who's meek and mild and never says anything harsh? Well, get behind me, Satan. Peter, stop talking. Everyone listen closely. If you really want to be my disciple, if you really want to call me Messiah, if you want to call me Lord, if you want to call me Rabbi, you need to pick up your cross every day and follow me everywhere that I go. 
See, obviously that day, Peter didn't really understand the implications of what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. He wasn't ready to accept that this Messiah would need to die. This Messiah was not going to be this military leader. He was going to save us on a much deeper, eternal scale. Nor did Peter understand the implications of what it means to be a disciple, but those were not the only two things that Peter did not understand that day. There's something that he missed, and there's something that we often forget ourselves. What we forget is that the question that Jesus asks when he says, who do you say I am? It's not a question that we only answer once and that's it. It's a question that we answer every single day. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to answer that question every day in order to be saved. It's not like I lose my salvation when I go to sleep and I wake up and and then I can regain it. It's not that. It's not that I need to restore that relationship every single day with Jesus Christ. But it is the fact that every day I need to make that decision that he is, Messiah, he is my Messiah, that I'm going to follow him. Well, Michelle and I got married on June 9th, 2001. We just celebrated our anniversary. It was a beautiful day. Michelle was a beautiful bride, and I apologize for the picture on the left. It, was, it looked great in my computer screen. Um, but it was a beautiful day. It was great. She looked wonderful, and I cleaned up and put on a tux. It was fun. We had this ceremony in uh, the chapel at Pepperdine. It was on the hillside in Malibu overlooking the ocean. They have this amazing stained glass. Our family and our friends were there. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. There's a lot of work that went into that day. But the most important thing about June 9th, 2001, about that day when we stood there, it wasn't the location It wasn't the dress, it wasn't the flowers, it wasn't the car, it wasn't the cake, it wasn't the party. The most important part of that day was the vows that we took. When I said, I do, when I spoke those words to Michelle, essentially I was asked by our pastor, who do you say Michelle is? And that day I said, Michelle is now my wife. She's the one who I will love, I will cherish, I will honor. Well, that answer changed everything. It changed everything about our relationship. It changed everything about my life, about her life. But the truth is it wasn't just a one-time decision. Yes, that one-time decision, that one time saying, yes, she is my wife, changed everything. But since that day, I now answer a different form of that same question every single day. Jeff, since Michelle is your wife, will you choose to love her today? Who do you say that she is? See, now, if I only chose to answer the question that one day and never thought about it again, yes, we would be married in the eyes of the state, in the eyes of God. But what kind of husband would I be? Would I truly be living out the vows that I took and the decision that I made 19 years ago? It's a decision that I must make every day and some days I do make that decision and some days I get so wrapped up in myself and forget about it. But it's a decision that we must make every day 
if I'm going to love her sacrificially, to pray for her faithfully, and find ways to honor and bless her. When I was 13 years old, Jesus Christ opened my eyes to the reality of my sin and the reality of his amazing grace. And he asked me that question, Jeff, who do you say I am? When I answered that question, when I said, you are the Messiah, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I was welcomed as a child of God, chosen and loved by him. And every day since then, Jesus asked me that same question. Jeff, who do you say that I am today? Will you choose to call me Lord today, even if that means trusting me enough to step out of the boat? Even if that means picking up your cross, as it does, picking up your cross every day and following me? Will you choose to call me Lord today, knowing that it means that you will be my witness everywhere you go, not just when you're on a mission trip, not just at church, not just when when the wind hits you. Everywhere you go, will you be my witness? Who do you say that I am? It's a simple but profound question. And my answer changes everything. It comes with tremendous responsibility as I choose to walk in his footsteps, as I choose to go where he leads me. But it also comes with good news of great joy. That no matter what is happening, no matter what difficulties I face, no matter what uncertainty lies ahead, I am always a child of God, known, chosen, and loved by him. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the Messiah. Jesus, you are my Messiah. Jesus, you are the reason that I am here alive in the first place and you are the reason that I'm alive for eternity. Jesus, you are the reason that I am not just a broken sinner. You are the reason that I am a saint, one who was chosen by you, loved by you, called by you. Lord, you do amazing things. Lord, help me to call you my Lord. Help me to follow you every single day. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, the one who saved us. Amen.